Hi, I'm Katie Burke, Associate Editor at American Scientist Magazine. In our Pizza Lunch podcast, we interview scientists who give lunchtime lectures at our headquarters in North Carolina. Dr. Sheila Paddock researches the fastest movements among living organisms. One of those organisms is the mantis shrimp, some of which can move their appendages at speeds so fast that the surrounding water boils. Dr. Paddock sat down with me to talk about how the mantis shrimp does this, what she's learned from them, and how she manages to study such ultra-fast movements. What is fast? Uh, most people, when they talk about fast, they're, including biologists, they're talking about animals that are running quickly, that are swimming fast to capture um, another fish or some other escaping prey item, or jumping like a kangaroo. These are, that's typically under the header of fast. But we study, and I, I like to use the term ultra-fast, we study things that happen at the next level up. And what distinguishes these, these levels of fast versus ultra-fast is the underlying mechanism. The systems I study have to circumvent the limits of muscle. Muscle really is not very fast. If you want to go ultra-fast, you have to store up energy in advance and release it over an extremely short time period. And that's where we see this jump from fast to ultra-fast. The ultra-fast systems are using things like the pressurized cellular capsule of a stinging jellyfish. In the case of mantis shrimp, they have large, slowly contracting muscles that compress a spring and a latch that releases it. They use slow muscles in order to store up a lot of energy via the spring and release it very quickly. So for us, ultra-fast, we're talking about movements that are happening in less than two milliseconds or um, sometimes in micro or nanoseconds. Mantis shrimp are quite beautiful and um, they have two nicely symmetric appendages and they are using their, both of these appendages for processing prey, competing for mates and so forth. They're also found around the world about um, somewhere around 500 species of mantis shrimp, and they range from, you know, adult sizes that are about a centimeter in length to, you know, almost two foot long um, species that reach, that's about their max adult size. There's a lot of diversity in the weaponry of mantis shrimp. Some of them have spears for capturing fish. Others have these hammers for smashing shells. And, uh, and there are some that have hatchets. And I mean, it's, it's quite diverse. Their appendages are used for capturing prey. And for the mantis shrimp that move their appendages fast enough, they generate cavitation bubbles that collapse and make a huge burst of sound. Cavitation is a really bizarre, fascinating physical phenomenon. Essentially, let's start with this, a simple analogy, which is boiling water. So if you heat up water to boiling, the water changes from liquid to gas and you get this formation of these gas bubbles coming up, and this is because of heat. The same transition from liquid to gas happens in cavitation, but instead of being caused by heat, it's caused by low pressure. Basically, you put um, a little area of water under low pressure, it vaporizes into a little air, almost like a little bubble of air, and then when it collapses, it emits an enormous amount of energy through this process called power amplification. 
Measuring extreme movements in mantis shrimp um, <laughs> presents some serious problems on a variety of fronts. Obviously, the first one is that they're moving so fast that we have to use really special high-speed imaging techniques. The second is that the impacts that they're generating are very high peak, very short, which means that the traditional force measuring devices, which are strain gauges, don't work. It, they just, it doesn't respond. And so we have to use these things called piezoelectric electronic crystals. The third problem is that they're in salt water, which is just a total nightmare for anything involving electricity and metal, which is of course what we deal with all the time. Mantis shrimp that strike uh, snail shells, the mantis shrimp with hammers, uh, we call them smashers sometimes, they're really aggressive, obnoxious little animals. And this is one of the reasons why they've been so good to work with. All we really need to do is get them riled up and they'll hit something. And they have very, very good aim and they have very good spatial abilities. And I would just give them like a tiny, tiny little spot so we could frame the video and get it right on the force sensor and they're pound away. How you actually catch them as a biologist depends on the type of mantis shrimp. The mantis shrimp that catch fish for a living that have the more spear-shaped appendages, they build burrows in the mud, primarily, or sand. And the way we do it is just um, dive or snorkel to find populations, and then we can just noose the ones that we individually want to use. And then the smashers, almost all of them live in rocks or coral, sometimes live coral, sometimes dead coral. We don't work on live coral mantis shrimp at all because to get them out requires actually breaking the coral open. Mantis shrimp are definitely dangerous to pick up. I uh, have been stabbed by mantis shrimp. The hammering shrimp, their hammers on the elbow and they can open it up and they have a, a spine at the end. And the smallest mantis shrimp, this spine is like a needle and it just goes straight through. What we do is serious science. It takes a lot of work. We publish in journals and honestly, that's where my pride is. But along with that though, is this great gift that we have in this field of amazing images of what animals are doing. And oftentimes we're studying phenomena that do fascinate the public. They email me and ask questions. And I realized, wow, you know, I guess I do have a role uh, in terms of being the, the source of knowledge for these things that people are fascinated with. And that's, um, that may not be what my motivation, but it's been a great gift to be, to be able to do that. And I know many other scientists who wish that they could express their work in a way that would fascinate the public, but it's a lot more difficult. This Pizza Lunch podcast was produced by Katie Lee Corder, Web Managing Editor of American Scientist Magazine, and myself. The magazine is published by Sigma Psi, the Scientific Research Society. The music is Spot by Ardent Octopus, courtesy of Medios Musicali. <laughs>